Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who is still reeling from some of the game footage we saw at the Video Game Awards. Mm-hmm. And I'm Bravado, the girl who stayed up late last night to watch the Game Awards live, and just like everyone else, was obsessed with Flute Man during the Game of the Year music medley that they did with the Philharmonic. I have to also mention, because I just think it's a cool thing, I saw him perform live when I went and saw like a Game of Thrones music concert when I lived in San Diego in 2018. And he was just as animated and amazing. He had like so many solos in that show because he's so cool. So it was really nice to like, the second I saw him at the Game Awards, I was like, I remember that guy. It was really cool to see him again. He's amazing. You guys should watch that if you haven't. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Uh, Yeah, totally noticed Flute Guy. He... (laughs) he stuck out quite a bit. Yeah, he was passionate and played like five different instruments. It was so cool. Okay. If you're new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler-free, then this isn't the podcast for you. So here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, N7. And just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume that you have some background knowledge of the game and character in question. But we'll be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar. Today, sad face, is the last day that we're in the city-state of Kirkwall. The character we're talking about is only available if you have the Exiled Prince DLC for Dragon Age 2. Get ready to listen to a lot of maker talk. Today's episode is on Sebastian Vale, Prince of Starkhaven and Chantry fanboy. It's been years, and not once have you tried to get me to repent or turn to the maker. Preaching seldom works, Isabella. To change a person's heart, one has to lead by example. Huh, that makes sense. I can respect that. 
I grew weary of the strings of nameless lovers and the nights full of mindless pleasure. You will too. Ah, oh, that's the cruelest thing anyone's ever said to me. I think I'm going to cry. Okay, hilarious. I love these lines. Sebastian Vale is the youngest son of the Royal Vale family of Starkhaven and a Chantry brother. He is also the only DA2 companion to not be player sexual, but heterosexual. He is at a critical moment in his life when you meet him. His whole family was murdered, leaving him the sole heir to the throne of Starkhaven. So he must decide whether to stay committed to his life of contemplation in the Chantry or return to his ancestral seat and claim his title. He wasn't always a chaste religious rogue, however. In fact, he was once the disgrace of his family. And quite the fuckboy, too. Big surprise. Like most youngest sons of a royal and extremely privileged upbringing, he didn't have to worry about much. He never considered that he'd be in line for the throne, being the baby of the bunch. And so he spent his considerable allowance on all the things young men with extra money, no responsibilities, and lots of raging hormones do. Drinking women. He must have really sowed his oats because his parents exiled him and forced him into the chantry, fearing that he'd father a bastard child. Sebastian escaped once, however, with the help of Grand Cleric Althena herself. You may remember her as the lady who wouldn't take a stand and ended up one of the victims of Anders' bomb. She ended up helping him regain his faith, and he returned to the Chantry willingly after a time. Sebastian took vows of poverty and chastity to become a sworn brother of the Chantry, and we can assume that he was all happy-go-lucky until his family was murdered. He was forced out of his life of contemplation to deal with the fact that he was the last Vale alive and needed to do something about the whole Starkhaven has no ruler right now thing. So, essentially, you can either avenge Sebastian's family so he can reclaim his title, or help him dish out some holy vengeance on the Vale's enemies in Kirkwall. So he'll either give up his Chantry life at Hawk's urging and go back to Starkhaven, or stay in the Chantry and just let someone else lead Starkhaven. I don't know. In Act 1, all that you can do as Sebastian is take out the Flint Company, the people who killed his family, and he can give you a bounty. He'll then say he'll petition the Kirkwall Viscount for aid in retaking Starkhaven, and that's the last of this Prince Adam lookalike you'll see for three years. Prince Adam's the beast <laughs> when he turns human. I could not unsee that. He looks just like him. If you don't know, go look up a picture of what Prince Adam looks like. It's the same. Yeah, I totally see it. I also think that they kind of modeled him after his voice actor, but we'll get to that. Yeah, it's definitely common, especially lately in the games industry. I feel like everyone looks like their character now. They just take their face. You mean, like, the new Idris Elba? Ha! <laughs> Phantom Liberty! <laughs> oh, I know. That was my favorite surprise at the Game Awards, was I did not know Idris Elba. I don't know if anyone knew Idris Elba was going to be in that DLC, and I, I heard his voice. The second I heard his voice, I was like, oh my god, I love him so much. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay, back to Sebastian. Sebastian's short story is not over, though. 
In Act 2, Sebastian has discovered who exactly hired the Flint Company to kill his family. This is when Sebastian can become a full companion, and you can help him find out exactly why the Harrimans, an old Kirkwall noble family, wanted the Vales dead. It turns out a desire demon was behind it all. And this demon even had a name. Allure. A named demon is a big deal. She made Lady Harriman obsessed with the desire to seize Starkhaven, meaning she had to assassinate the Vales to get them out of her way. She put Sebastian's weak-ass cousin on the throne as a puppet ruler, but her plans were thwarted by Hawk and friends. Of course. Same story, different demon. I was a wild boy, a shame to my family. The Chantry made me a man. It's odd. When I wanted to rule, I would have been terrible at it. Now that I might be decent, I don't know if it's the right thing to do. It's the wisdom not to want power that lets you use it wisely. You didn't feel what that demon stirred in me. It cannot be right to lead any army to Starkhaven with such doubt in my heart. I owe you more than I can say, Hawk. I will offer my service to you here before I move on. I can think of a few services for you to perform. What? Why are you smiling like... Oh. Oh, my. That, that, that's not what I meant. I, uh, I think I need to pray. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh uh, he needs to go to confession <laughs> he's got dirty thoughts Sebastian is left wondering after this if he should go back to Starkhaven and become a politician or if he should stay nice and cloistered in the Chantry honestly while he likes to say the Chantry saved him and it's like a noble calling and stuff it's not really any different from who he was before He's kind of shirking his responsibilities. Before, he did whatever his family disapproved of, avoiding any growth to potentially be a better prince. And now he's preferring to sit in the Chantry and avoid the outside world's many, many issues. Like we said in Anders' episode, the friendship path is not always the best path for the companion. In Dragon Age 2, it's usually more the role of enabler, supporting the companion no matter what. A rivalry, on the other hand, challenges the companion where they're at, and they usually grow from it. They don't call it growing pains for nothing, after all. Sebastian's life of contemplation, at least for the moment, has led him to question whether annihilating an entire band of mercenaries who were just hired for a job deserved to be killed for the murder of his family. Should he have instead only gone after the people who hired the mercs in the first place? Hmm. Revenge. A dish best served? Not at all, apparently. He is also someone who is totally unbothered by the plight of mages, wondering what's so bad about life in the circle. He is a wide-eyed idealist, much like Liliana in Origins, and that kind of genuine goodness bothers most of the other companions, given that they are quite cynical. Most of them just poke fun at him, but Anders and Varric genuinely dislike him. Fenris is notable that he likes Sebastian, even going so far as to wonder about becoming faithful to the Chantry 
in order to find some comfort in his life. Talking about comfort, Sebastian cannot be swayed to find some comfort in Hawk's arms. If you give it up, what then? I suppose I must convince Elthina my commitment is sincere. Then I will remain here to represent the Maker's interests as she thinks best. Nobody tells a prince what to do. Or who to do it with. Hawk, you don't think I'm not tempted. But I can't. I knelt and swore before the Maker that I would take no bride but Andraste. I'm just talking about two people. One night and forgetting all your troubles. If I broke my vows to be with you, I wouldn't be worthy of you. I already have enough sins to atone for. <sighs> Sebastian's like whole thing is questioning what to do. Something he was firm in his belief before was his vow of chastity, however. There are a lot of people who dislike that this romance is a chaste one, as in there's no physical intimacy, no sex. Whatever your thoughts on it, Sebastian wants to be celibate for religious reasons. He's no virgin, but he has decided that it is what he wants to do with his life. I find it icky that Hawk will push for sex at every romance dialogue opportunity with Sebastian. He has to constantly reaffirm his belief to her and refuse her proposition. I obviously am not celibate myself, I have a daughter, but there are a lot of sexless marriages out there. Even if you aren't sexless for the entire time, you could go through periods of it. I did after my daughter was born, and I can promise my husband and I still loved each other just as much. I can definitely see how a marriage or relationship like this could work. So I found it kind of gross how so many in the fandom dislike Sebastian simply for that, or think he just needs to be tempted enough, like fixer fanfiction is a thing, or the headcanon that he will break his vow of chastity with the rival mance. Just don't romance him if you want to have sex. He doesn't want to. Yep. I mean, I would prefer to have sex, but I still romance Garrus. Like, you know, I don't get that with him, but I still do it. And as for Sebastian... I respect him for his devotion. It's something he firmly believes in, and we shouldn't try and change it. This isn't like trying to change Fenris's mind about mages, or showing Tally that all Geth aren't the same. This is his faith, his belief system, and if he no longer wants to have sex, but have a fulfilling relationship in every other way? Sign me up! Well, I mean, maybe not me, but the right type of hawk could get signed up for that. Alright. Now, we normally don't play clips so close together, but this is a DLC romance, so the content to analyze is just... minimal. This is the conversation you get if you are friend-mancing Sebastian and push him to stay in the Chantry. Keep in mind that you can still rival-mance him, but it'll still be a chaste romance. That path will apparently end up with you being the princess of Starkhaven, and we can infer that someday he might break his vow of chastity. But that is not in this game. Not even a kiss. Nothing for me to analyze. It's been 15 years since I lived in Starkhaven. The people there are only a memory to me. Kirkwall, the Chantry, that's real. That's where I belong. Starkhaven's loss. Uh, 
I can't say you didn't factor into my decision. But if I'm to stay in the Chantry, you mean the world to me, Hawk. I couldn't have gotten through this time without you. Join me in the Chantry. Pledge yourself to the Maker. We can serve him together with a chaste marriage in his eyes. I would gladly swear my vows beside you. I'll speak to her grace about accepting you as a sister in faith. She'll recognize the purity of our love. I promise you, nothing will come between us. Aw, that was really sweet. I like it. But I would take a guess that a former party boy gained some skills and would probably be able to deliver if given the chance. Also, a chaste marriage in capital H, his eyes? Hmm. I've heard that phrase in the real world. That sounds a lot like we will do everything that doesn't count as baby-making sex and it will still count as being virginal. But, again, maybe that's just me reading too far into it and he will remain steadfast in his decisions. Again, if that's what he wants, respect it. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, it sounds sweet on the surface, but I also don't, and I don't know if he means it this way. I think it can be inferred that, even though he doesn't directly say it this way, when he's saying like, oh, she'll recognize how pure our love is and like chaste marriage in his eyes and blah, blah, blah. The opposite side of that is like sex is bad and shameful and gross. Like you can have a pure love that also includes physical love. So, and like I said, I don't think he's necessarily making that connection, but it could be made. It definitely in the real world is made all the time with people growing up in very religious families or circles I mean, I was raised Catholic, which is basically the chantry, right? And that is the message we all got as kids. So they, I mean, they're adults. So if that's what they want to do, fine. But I can definitely see how it would come off like that to someone also. But in Act 3, Sebastian is mostly trying to convince Grand Cleric Elthina to go to safety at the Grand Cathedral in Arleigh because of the mage extremists and a potential exalted march, aka Holy War, to wipe out the mages. Elthina wants to be the violinist on the Titanic and keep on playing while the ship is sinking, so Sebastian picks up the cello, resigning to stay at her side as long as she's in Kirkwall. We remember what happens here, right? Blondie Bear blows up the Chantry, killing Mama Elthina, and Sebastian has a classic, Con! You blew it up! I know, that's two different references. If you get it, you get it. Moment if he's in your party when that happens. He's obviously not happy that the Chantry was destroyed. You rot in the Titanic. You used the words Blondie Bear, and then Con on top of it. Woman, I swear. Oy. Okay. If you want to continue romancing Sebastian, you absolutely must kill Anders. So he will never, ever be an option for one of my hawks. Nope, nope, nope. If your love requires me to kill another human, I'm out. Regardless of whether it's Anders or not, or you can kill Anders on your own to begin with, romancing Sebastian or not, I'm sorry, but love shouldn't require murder. If 
you don't kill Anders, Sebastian will threaten to return to Starkhaven, gather his army, and invade Kirkwall. Not sure what Kirkwall has to do with Anders, the lone mage terrorist, but you know, Knight Commander Meredith wants to do the rite of annulment on the entire circle of mages in Kirkwall for Anders, too. So apparently, guilt by association is just a thing in Kirkwall. And this will also have repercussions into Dragon Age Inquisition. No matter what you've pushed him to do, he will eventually return to Starkhaven. If you spared Anders, Sebastian will petition the Inquisition to invade and annex Kirkwall. If Anders was executed, Sebastian will petition for aid in rebuilding Kirkwall after Anders' bomb and resulting war decimated a huge portion of the city. You're an amazing woman, Hawk. Had we met in different times? But let's not think on that now. The Maker favors us in this fight. He must, for we defend against his enemies. If we fall here, may we meet again at his side. I know last episode I said angry white guys with manifestos give me red flags. I will also include righteous guys with a religious agenda. That also gives me red flags. Because, I mean, what's funny to me is if you ask your companions their opinion on whether you should kill Anders or not at this part, Sebastian will be like, if I had been in the Chantry, would you be waffling? Save us a battle. Just kill the murderer. This bitch has been waffling the entire game about literally everything. For someone who is debating whether or not his revenge was worth it, he sure is quick to revoke that character development and descend right back into black and white thinking. Bad guy killed my mama figure? Kill him, or I'll raise your whole ass city. Super nuanced there, Sebastian. And that's it for the romance. It's chaste, and it's quick, and it also won't grant you either of the romance achievements. You can only romance him if you are not in a romance with anyone else, and also haven't ever flirted with any of the characters. That cuts out like half of Izzy's dialogue. You have to have 100% friendship or rivalry, and you must execute Anders. We've touched all this already, but if you romance him as a rival, he'll say that he'll take back Starkhaven and he'll give a hawk no less than a prince. He'll want Hawk to become Kirkwall's new Viscountess and say that the marriage between them will be the strongest alliance that the Free Marches has ever seen. Mm-hmm. If you romance him as a friend, you already heard what happens in the earlier clip. You two have a chaste marriage in the eyes of the Maker. Yay! He's the only romance option that is not mentioned in the epilogue by Varric, which is funny. The next time we see Sebastian is actually in the Dragon Age comic Knight Errant, and it's about Sebastian's birthday party in Starkhaven. Cute. Guess who's not there? Hawk. Honestly, the romance is short. It seems cute. It's just not that deep. Sebastian seems to devote himself entirely too quickly to Hawk, given how indecisive he normally is. And personally, he's just a little too simple for this complex world. He's blithely unaffected by the suffering around him because he comes from immense privilege. And maybe a friend man's talk can overlook that, but I can't. I may not like Anders' romance, but I respect his desire for action and the betterment of his fellow majors. 
Sebastian's just like this Girl Scout skipping in a park, like, doesn't give a shit about nobody. He's just too shiny in this tainted world of Thetis. Now, before we get into the second half of our show, where we will be joined by some special guests, let's take a quick mid-break so you can hear some fun facts, some ads from our sponsors, and we can thank our wonderful patrons. Mid-break dance. And I did forget to do a mid-break dance last week because I'm like, ah, yeah. Okay. Fun facts. The voice actor for Sebastian is Alec Newman, a Scottish actor who has been in a lot of other things, one of which was two episodes of Angel back in 2004, where he played the guardian of the tree, Drogon. <sighs> and a bunch of hack-ons in the hack-on DLC in Inquisition. But even more exciting and recent was that he was Anders Hellman and Adam Smasher in Cyberpunk 2077. He was also Smasher in the Edge Runners anime. How fucking cool is that? So he did play an Anders. <laughs> yeah, I honestly would not have known that. Like he's he changed his voice a lot, so pretty cool. And I usually have a good ear for voice actors. And I, I just honestly can't think of two more different characters than Adam Smasher and Sebastian Vale. Another fun fact that I have from the deep, deep recesses of my past life as a Catholic is that there's a saint named St. Sebastian, and he is the patron saint of archers. Sebastian's an archer, so there you go. It's probably related in some way, given the Chantry is essentially gender-bent Catholicism. Uh, so just so you know, Smasher was a fuckboy back in the day. Like, before he went all Borg body. He was very wham-bam, thank you, man. Hope I didn't crush your bones. <laughs> Go listen to episode 113, Smasher Pass, all about Adam Smasher, if you want to learn more about him. Hashtag shameless plug. Uh, alright. And now, for the best part of the night, where we thank our lovely, lovely patrons. We have no reviews to read out, but we have some amazing shipsters to think. Toasty and Apollo, Shanko and Mystheos, Wynn, Bat Knight, Lizzie, and Rydell. Thank you, thank you, a million times thank you. Y'all are amazing. All right, get back into it. And that, <laughs> lovely listeners, is where we would usually end our show. For this episode, we have two very special guests. You might recognize them if you listen to the Dragon Age Lorecast, but they have also been on our show a few times already. They also were us on the Isabella episode. Please welcome the cops, Austin and Austin. Shelby. Hello. Welcome, favorite friends of the pod. We play favorites here. <laughs> Just kidding. We're allowed. It's our podcast. We can play favorites if we want to. Hello. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here too. Welcome back. How are you today on this fine day of Dragon Age content? Um. Well, I don't want to really say how I am um, because I watched Absolution today and it was great, but... I just, I just have a lot of thoughts, and I don't want to do spoilers, so I'll just leave it at the fact that I have a lot of thoughts, so. I am unwell. <laughs> <laughs> all I'd say. 
Are you guys going to do an episode on Absolution, do you think? Yeah, we're actually probably going to do two or three bonus mini episodes um, covering a couple of the episodes at a time. So, yeah. Good. I would like to hear your thoughts. I guess we that's the one time we'll actually honor the spoiler system, seeing as it came out today. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I'm also sure Jen hasn't watched it. I have not. And while normally I'm okay with spoilers, I'm like, ugh, I don't want this spoiled for me, though. No, no, you don't. Yeah, no, definitely watch it. Just go in blind. Okay, so let's just talk about Sebastian briefly before we get into our Anders fight. I can't wait. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so we've discussed a lot of things about Sebastian today. Did you guys learn anything new? Or did we miss anything? I did not I, know that. Oh, sorry. You go first. No, Austin, you go first because sh- I'm sure that you'll have more to say. <laughs> um, I did not know that he offers you Starkhaven, any of that kind of stuff around there, mainly because I don't really talk to Sebastian that often. I think that's there's where it is. There's so little time and there's so many conversations that need to be had. Yeah, I agree. I didn't know that either. I also didn't know that he... Um, lived in Kirkwall for 15 years after leaving Starkhaven, which made me like, think, how old is he? I just had assumed he was like late 20s, early 30s, but I feel like that maybe suggests he's a little bit older than that. Oh, yeah, that oh, that's true. older. Please tell me he wasn't like a wild bachelor as like a preteen or something, you know, <laughs> like when did, did, was he forced to move to, to Kirkwall? when he had to join the Chantry and be exiled? Because that's what I would assume. But I don't know. That makes him pretty young when he was going wild. Let's, okay, yeah. even mathing it out, if he got, if he started partying at like 17, and then you have to go for at least a year or two for in order for your family to kick you out of the house for being too much of a fuckboy. So that puts him around 20. And then 15 years after that, Dude's at least 35. According to the Dragon Age wiki, it says that because he hasn't been to Starkhaven in 15 years, it makes him at least 28. But he has to be older than that, or it's just kind of, that's that's problematic. I feel like he has to be at least 30. Yeah. What are you saying about 30-year-olds? Nothing. Nothing is, nothing about 30-year-olds. I'm just saying I, I pictured him as younger. Um, I guess I felt like his mentality very like steeped in rigidity black and white thinking i feel like that's very much a person who's in their early 20s time period in their life so it just kind of surprised me that he he was not um that young anymore yeah and i think that there's definitely an issue with being able to portray age in physical appearance in a video game because win is what supposed to be in her 60s but all she looks like is the 20-year-old body model with white hair. Uh, mm-hmm. So we don't we don't know how old Wynn actually is. And then... Yeah. I genuinely didn't know she was old until way later because of that. <laughs> and now nowadays, it's, it's much better. But yeah, the time period these games are made was hard to tell. Um, but I Did also I... didn't know that you could become the princess of Starkhaven. I didn't know that was a thing at all. Mainly because I never almost never rival mance anyone um personally it feels icky so i didn't know that was an option either 
Yeah, apparently he wants you to become Viscountess of Kirkwall, and then he wants to marry you, so then you can be Princess of Starkhaven. And I'm like, no thanks. So Starkhaven can then acquire Kirkwall. Yeah, essentially. I mean, I think it's crazy, like, first of all, he still wants a chaste marriage. Like, it's never said that they're going to, like, procreate. So I'm like, dumb situation to have royalty that has no plans on having heirs. So... Maybe you should just pass the title off, Sebastian. But two, it's like, he doesn't really care about staying in the Chantry because he doesn't no matter what. And what he really cares about is killing Anders. Like, that's his whole thing. I could not believe when I saw how different it was between whether Anders was spared or not. He's either invading Kirkwall or helping Kirkwall. Those are very different things. I don't know. Full of vengeance, huh, Sebastian? Oh, hey, so. don't do that. <laughs> Sorry, I know you got a weird relationship with vengeance. <laughs> I, think, I think that with Sebastian, Elthina really is kind of like his mother because he's raised in the Chantry. And for lack of a better word, you know, we can criticize Elthina what she wants, but she is a good person. Like from the standard, like Elthina tries to do good and she tries to help people. And so I think that given Sebastian's life, there's always been like his worldview is shaped on good people get good things, bad people get what they deserve and bad things happen to them. Or Elfina dying in the Chantry explosion is an innocent dying. I think that because he hasn't done the work to build up his faith and build up his personality and really have that structure on there, it just all comes crashing down right before his eyes the moment that chantry blows up and he has a choice that he could either sit and wallow and try to deal with this or he could give in to rage and give in to what's easy and obviously picks it to give in to what is easy that's what i would expect like a royal youngest son to do though you know like when has his life ever been hard he doesn't know how to deal with those big emotions because he's never had to feel them or deal with them. Um, good luck running Starkhaven, I guess. <laughs> like, not having coping skills. Or, I guess he replaced his coping skills of, like, sex and stuff with praying. Which I guess is... I'm, I think real people do that all the time, so <laughs> I mean, I can see him doing that too, I guess. Did any of you pick Sebastian as a romance ever? Or would you consider romancing him? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Here is the real thing, and I, I'm sure Shelby might say any something to this, but we both have undergrads and masters in religious studies. We both have worked or are working for churches. We have known Sebastian's our entire lives. We have known people exactly like him. And the idea of romancing him kind of makes me want to throw up sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I definitely could, as being somebody who is not very religious at all. I don't think that my personality type would mesh well with somebody who that is a key factor to their life. Uh, I, I don't think that I would ever pick Sebastian. Unless I was going through it for, like, specifically, yeah. if there was a, an achievement to unlock about, like, play the game seven times and choose different options each scene here, then I would do it for the Achievement Hunter. But... You don't get the achievement with him. Exactly. Like, there's no point. I guess for me, like, Sebastian is so, like, not genuine. He comes off the whole time as like, nope, I'm totally converted. I'm a born-again Andrastian. 
But the second it's challenged in any way, he completely drops it. He just is like, well, Chantry, just everything's dead now. Doesn't matter. Gonna invade. He's not actually religious. He doesn't actually believe in the maker, really. So it's not real for him. It's just, I don't know, a facade, I guess. He's not genuine. If you listen to our podcast, you're probably going to roll your eyes at me at this comparison. But I think to analyze this, a good comparison would be to compare Sebastian and Cassandra. Like Cassandra genuinely really believes in the maker. And you see that because she doesn't waffle. She wrestles. And those are two very different experiences. She faces things that make her doubt her real faith in the maker. And she has to wrestle with some of those things, even rethinking her theology when she sees the divine or who she thinks is the divine in the faith. Like that's a huge theological revelation for her. Sebastian, on the other hand, he never goes through anything like that. And we don't really, other than the discussion about sex, we don't really see him ever really talk about his beliefs in the maker or in Andraste. The most we get is, okay, Andrews and Varric are roasting him for his belt buckle. And we get him talking about the vow he made. But that's more about upholding a vow, upholding his word, than it is about a belief in the maker. So to me, I don't really think we ever see Sebastian's relationship with the Chantry, with God. We see him talking about it, but we don't ever see him actually wrestling with any theological issues the way we do Cassandra or even Liliana or even Cullen or even, hell, even Varric. I mean, we just don't get it. Um, And I think that it is a disservice to him, to the character. I think it's a miss on Bioware's part. Um, and so for, for me, it's it's hard for me to hold that against Sebastian, just because we don't see that side of him. So I just find him bland and boring. He's almost like a sheet of paper that just write whatever you want to on him, because nothing's there. That's fair. From what we do know of him, it seems like it's just for the aesthetic of being in the Chantry. He's not actually believing any of it. Maybe he does. Maybe if he had gotten more content and effort. I don't want to say effort because I'm sure he got a lot of effort put into him, but it was DLC. So he can only do so much, I guess. I don't know if we'll ever see him again. I personally don't care (laughs) if we do or not. But from what we have, he definitely is just kind of uh, blah, like you said, very blah. I can't remember what they actually say, but so both Colin and Liliana have things to say about him in those like when they talk about it because they both know him and it's just really funny because they don't say good things (laughs) and i think it's interesting at least from a point of this i really think the only goal of sebastian is to better round out the party makeup because the rogues are underrepresented in the parties i mean you have three mages if you count bethany i mean if you want to Warrior, Dragon Age 2 is the place to go to find a warrior or a mage. Rogues are underrepresented. And I think that they didn't really have a plan, that big a plan for Sebastian. They're like, oh, let's just make him like this exiled prince kind of thing and seeing that up. I think because of how recent, like, so Dragon Age 2 comes out and then Frozen comes out and like Sebastian and Hans are like the same character archetype. And so I think that's part of it, too. 
it's not because Bioware doesn't know how to write religious characters, because they obviously do know how to write religious characters and deep religious characters. They just, and just Sebastian is just, I think he's there for gags. I really do. And not the good kind of gags. Oh, what the- <laughs> <laughs> that was the way for Jen. <laughs> Uh, no comment. No comment on the <laughs> gags. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see, because I was just thinking about specifically more like devout religious characters in Dragon Age that are companions. And you kind of only get one per game. Like you have Liliana in Origins, and then I guess Sebastian, and then in Inquisition it's Cassandra. And for the next one in seeing as it's apparently into Vinter, it'd be really cool to see, well, maybe not that cool because I don't really like to Vinter, but um, like maybe one of the companions is going to be like a devout Imperial Chantry follower. And that would be cool to see. I don't know. It's weird that we only ever get one when the whole world is so religious. It touches everything. You'd think that a lot more people would be more devout, like the average people not someone working in the Chantry or sworn in the Chantry or whatever. I think something to remember on that is like, we don't get the average everyday person of Thetis in our party. Um, We get super crazy people who are like specialized warriors and and whatnot. And so I, I just feel like the party makeup we get is not necessarily a complete picture of Thetis, but I do agree with you. Like Thetis is very religious, more religious, I think, than our world, um, which is, Weird. Um, I've never really made that connection before, but I do agree with that. And I will say for that, like, yes, Cassandra is like the devout religious person, but there are like Dragon Age Inquisition is like the pro chantry game in a lot of ways. I mean, if you really think about it, so you have Cassandra, Cullen, Liliana, Vivian, and then, you know, Sarah is also Androstian. Mm-hmm. So is Blackwall. And you're literally the herald of Androste. <laughs> I think there's a difference between being Androstian and being devout. Like, Cassandra is devout. Liliana is devout. I don't think you can say that Sarah is devout in any way whatsoever. Same Mm -hmm. for maybe Blackwall. Like, I think he talks about religion, like, maybe once. So I think there is a difference between devout and religious, first of all. But... Actually, I don't have a second wall. That was my only point. Yeah. It's, my comparison is like, because I grew up Catholic, and the, the the Catholics that would only go on Easter and Christmas Eve Mass, mm-hmm. it's like them. Yep. They're yeah. not actually that Catholic. They just show up when it matters, quote unquote. The High Holy Days, yeah. Yeah, the High Holy Days, exactly. Mm, well, do we want to be done with Sebastian so we can move into general Dragon Age stuff? Yes. Yes. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Hey, it's V. That was kind of an abrupt ending, huh? Just wanted to let you guys know that this conversation on stream went forever. So we decided to break it up into two episodes. The first half being the one you just listened to, mainly about Sebastian. And the second half, we went way more into just general Dragon Age stuff and lore, discussions, and shenanigans. Oh, and tangents. Do you expect anything else? 
So you can catch part two coming out just after this one. Just one week. Have patience, little ones. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes or give us a rating on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can now find me in the Cyberpunk Lorecast channel with my co-host Toasty and, of course, in our Two Girls One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. Come give us a follow on all the social medias and you can find us by typing out the entire freaking words of patreon.com slash two girls one ship. Links to those are in the description. I'm on the Robots Radio Discord as well, and on our own Two Girls One Ship Discord server, where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Wednesdays and Fridays, 10:30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7:30 p.m. Pacific Time, or watch the YouTube video a few days after the stream. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So thanks for listening, and remember. Beauty is in the eye of the controller. Have you ever wanted to deep dive into the lore and stories behind all your favorite Marvel movies? Then do we have the show for you. I'm Captain Shanko. And I'm Psych88. Join us as we dissect the media megalith that is the MCU. We'll talk about the origin stories, the fights, and everything in between. The MCU Lorecast releases on all major podcasting platforms on Mondays as part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club and can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.